everybody. It's Tamine O'Neill of JO Social Branding, and this is the Socialized Podcast, episode number 34. Today, we have Miranda Paquette, and she is a content manager at Constant Contact, where she inspires small businesses to overcome their digital marketing fears and use email and social media marketing to drive awareness, sales, and repeat business. Miranda started contributing to the Constant Contact blog in 2013 and is now in charge of creating and editing hundreds of blog articles each year, as well as producing the Small Biz Stories podcast. Prior to working at Constant Contact, Miranda worked in the editorial department of National Geographic Learning and ran digital marketing for a small tech company in Sydney, Australia. Named for Shakespeare's The Tempest, Miranda brings her passion for literature and theater to her work every day. When she's not writing, Miranda spends her time singing along to Beyonce, visiting her favorite cheese shop, or trying out a new tea selection. You can find her on Twitter, at Miranda Paquette. Thanks, Miranda. Thanks for coming on this episode. Thanks so much for having me, Janine. This is great. Yeah, I'm so excited to have you because search engine marketing is definitely a topic that I know I could learn more about, and I'm sure that many different people that are listening to this podcast could as well. So why don't we dig into the first question and have you explain a little bit what you do as a content manager at Constant Contact. Sure. So as you mentioned, um, right now I'm running the Constant Contact blog. And much like you, Janine, when I first got started, I think there was a lot that I could learn about search. But specifically, Mm -hmm. organic search represents a huge opportunity for small businesses. We've actually found that our blog has grown to have over 72% of our traffic come straight from search, which is a really amazing way to reach not just your customers, but an audience that's completely new to your business. So in addition to kind of working on the blog, and with that I work with both internal contributors as well as a bunch of really great guest posters. Um, I also send out our Hints and Tips newsletter, which kind of similar to your newsletter, it's um, twice a month. It goes out on the second and fourth Wednesday, and it's just kind of a roundup of some of our top blog posts as well as some of our upcoming educational webinars and things like that. And then the last kind of thing that I work on at Constant Contact is, as you mentioned, the Small Biz Stories podcast. So our marketing team and really our whole company in general is super focused on talking to our customers. So I actually spoke with the support team earlier and found out that on average we're swapping 25,000 calls, chats, and emails with our customers every single week. So how that plays into my role is definitely reaching out to customers for customer success stories and then for the podcast, which is really interviewing small business owners to hear more about why they started their business in the first place and then what some of their biggest challenges are and ultimately their dreams for the future. Very cool. So you are not at a loss of things to do when it comes to your job. (laughs) Not so much. (laughs) So um, let's talk about search marketing. Can you explain what it is and why it's important to businesses? Yeah, definitely. So like I mentioned, search marketing was something I really hadn't explored before I came to Constant Contact, but really it's a lot more straightforward than you'd think. It's just kind of about using search engines. 
to your advantage and helping using search engines to get more views and exposure to your online properties, including everything from your website, your social channels, to just your business in general. Um, so I mentioned earlier that the majority of our blog traffic comes from online search, but even in general, 70% of website traffic overall comes from search. And so I think it's something that a lot of people kind of overlook. Like maybe they have their website, but they're not exactly sure like what kind of keywords someone would search to find their business or what they really should be targeting. So there's probably, I think, there's always ongoing opportunities to always be optimizing and to reach people in a way that you weren't even uh, initially expecting. Yeah, that's, those are really impressive numbers. And I mean, we have to think about how many times a day we actually go to Google to find information. Mm -hmm. it's, such a, it's such a powerful way to get information at your fingertips. But like you said, from a business standpoint, leveraging those kinds of tools so that businesses can attract more traffic to their website and get in contact with people that they may never have contacted before. Definitely. So how does one business start to increase their rank in search? Well, this sounds really obvious, but I still kind of run into this with small business owners. The very first thing is you absolutely need to have a website <laughs> that is just you can't really show up in an online listing anywhere if you don't have kind of your website as your home base. And then once you kind of have, you know, a website with at least your home page and your about us page and things like that, that um, already kind of have those keywords and your business name and your location and everything like that set up, I obviously definitely recommend using your blog also as a place where you're constantly, um, you can't really think of your website as just kind of like a static home base. You really want search engines, especially Google, really love when you're constantly coming out with something fresh and really um, coming out with new content on a regular basis. So I think a blog is a great way to do that. We at the Constant Contact blog are publishing about five times a week, which I know can sound a little bit daunting. <laughs> That's definitely <laughs> not something that you have to do starting out. Mm -hmm. But it's important to at least create a calendar for yourself, even if that calendar is only 12 blog posts a year, you know, one a month, something like that, where you really have a strategy behind the content that you're creating. and. Ultimately, a really powerful thing of search is that people, like you mentioned, we go to Google and you're kind of actively searching out information. Whereas a lot of marketing, I think we're trying to kind of interrupt or get people to switch gears. So like if you're on Facebook, for example, and you're kind of just skimming through your feed to check in with your friends and family, the business has to come in and kind of distract people to get back to their website. But with online search, what's really powerful is that people are actively seeking out information. They're looking for a restaurant uh, in the area that they are, or they're looking for advice on creating their first ebook or something like that. So if your mm -hmm. business is coming to, if they're seeking that information out and your business shows up, then you're already creating this like very goodwill. 
Yeah, there's a few things that I just want to touch on about that you had said. And the first one is having a web presence is so important. And I've mm -hmm. I've ran into this, I mean, many times, but there's two instances that happened with my own business that um, one was a, actually a PR issue where a company came to me and they were getting negative press over an issue. I mean, it was there was the television was involved, the TV stations were coming to them, and they were at the mercy of the media um, and sending out press releases to get their information out there where, and they had no presence whatsoever. So in the instance of having a website, they could have been going to their platform um, when they came under attack and say, you know, this is our policy and this is how we go about things and, and just having some sort of a way to connect because it's in everyone's nature. The first thing you do is you seek out online, I feel. Um, the other instance is actually a potential client that came to me and they wanted to get listed in the phone book because they their listing had outdated or something had happened and they said, you know, business has been slowing down. They had a lot of repeat referrals, but they wanted to boost their business and felt that having a listing in the phone book was the next best step. And I was like, well, wow. let's get you on Google, <laughs> right? Because nobody really uses the phone book anymore. Like Google is the replacement to the phone book. People whip out their, their smartphones and they're typing it in that way. So that base presence, even like you said, it's great to have a blog to continually put content up there, but you have to have some sort of place that people can find you, if anything, to find the information to connect with you online. And then having that blog where you can be putting more content to attract those search engines is key too. I mean, the website is also a place where you own. And it sounds like with that kind of PR issue, like you can't exactly control what the media might say, but with a website, mm -hmm. you can really control how you position yourself. Exactly. So going off of blogging and putting content on your site, how often would you suggest creating content? So it's a difficult balance. I would say that you should create content as often as you can create quality content. So mm -hmm. when I first see people kind of starting to blog, a lot of times it seems like they're just kind of creating content to create content, which mm -hmm. is understandable. I mean, definitely when you hear all the time you need to be creating content, you just say, okay, I've got to do this. But you really have to be strategic about the content that you're creating. So we at this point really don't publish anything that isn't driving to some kind of next step or isn't optimized for some kind of keyword where we want to be ranking a little bit higher or it's really driving to some kind of specific action. So I would say publish as frequently as you can while still making sure that everything you publish is really impactful. Now, I get this question all the time because quite often people understand the value of blogging but lack the time or resources to do it. And they always say, how often do I need to? So like, what is the bare minimum of blogging? <laughs> and it's it's always a tricky answer. I'm interested to hear what you have to say, and then I'll share what I tell people. So I think that consistency is more important than how often. Like, I think it's a quality over quantity type thing. Um, mm -hmm. 
but I would say that once a month is really something that you should shoot for, for a bare minimum. I tell them at least once a month, because at that point, if you're going two months out, then if people are coming to your website and they're seeing that that information is a little bit dated, like you said, consistency is very important. So setting that timeline, I tell people, like, if you can do once a month and just, if it's the first of the month, the last of the month, the middle, set a time that you're going to do it and put it on your calendar. And that's where editorial calendars, I think, are so helpful because it's, it's great to plan it out, like you said, strategically. Maybe people are writing a blog series. Having that layout in front of them, whether it's on a calendar on like Google or having the printout and then say, all right, I'm going to do 12 posts a year and I'm going to write them and schedule them and they're going to go out on these days. I feel like editorial calendars or content calendars more are an accountability thing than anything else. Completely agree. Yeah. I mean, it's really easy. If we didn't have a calendar, I'm sure I could get very caught up in other things and just publish a lot so, less yeah. frequently. And you mentioned the word strategy, too, before, and that is a huge thing. Like, what is that next step, the call to action? What are you leading people to? Is it to download a guide or read another blog post or contact you? Or um, There's many different ways that you can be pulling people down your sales funnel, but you need to know what the next steps are. And if you're just like, oh, it's January 1st, I need to write my blog post again. Oh, it's February 1st. There's no real strategy there. And, and like you said, it, that's where like the quality to quantity comes into. You want to make sure that you're doing it for the right reasons and that if you're going to invest the time in blogging to attract people to your site and, and give them valuable information, you want to make sure you're doing it at the best degree possible. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we, we've been using blog posts a lot lately to kind of like tease bigger things. So obviously the past few months we've been so focused on holidays and prepping for the holiday and, you know, how to find the right template for your Cyber Monday email and things like that. But mm -hmm. we really made sure that all of our content is kind of building. And we'll, we'll get a little bit more into the kind of internal linking, but we're really making sure that all of our content is linking back to a previous post, but then also driving people towards the next step, which um, we are doing a last-minute holiday ideas webinar, which through all of the blog posts and the email promotion has gotten us over to, I think we're up past 750 registrants for the webinar today. So we've really seen that kind of focusing. I think at first we were a little, we were trying to have a lot of variety on our blog, so doing a lot as far as social media marketing and mobile marketing and email marketing, but it's definitely, mm -hmm. it's useful to really hone, have a theme for maybe your quarter and really focus on a specific topic, especially one that's going to be really timely. Very cool. I love that idea of theming per quarter because then once you choose that, it's easier to find other content to say, oh, I could write about subject lines and then I could talk about the type of content you put in your newsletter or how to take that content and then analyze it. And now, the next thing you know, your editorial calendar is quickly filling up. <laughs> yeah, definitely. So are there tools to help find topics to write about to help gain an advantage in the search marketing game? One kind of common phrase that's out there is that you should write for your customers and then optimize for search. So I think one of the best tools, but it's again one of those things that people overlook, when you're 
looking for content ideas, you really want to talk to your customers and really hear what they're struggling with, what, what are some of their obstacles and barriers to really getting started with some kind of service or product that you provide. So mm -hmm. what we do is with our webinars, right on the registration page, we ask them, you know, name, email, but then we also say, what's one thing you'd like to learn? And that really serves as the foundation for a lot of the content that we create. But where we go from there, so as you mentioned, something like subject lines. So we hear that time and time again. That's one of the most popular topics. I initially wrote a post that was something like 12 subject line tweaks. But then after writing that post, um, I did some keyword research and I saw that people weren't really searching for subject line tweaks. You know, that's not really like, where their brain is in that moment. So what they're mm -hmm. searching for is things like best subject lines or good subject lines or better subject lines, something like that. So mm -hmm. after doing that uh, keyword research, and so I use tools like uh, Google Keyword Planner. Um, mm -hmm. There's also, Moz has a, a software too that you can have. There's a free and a paid version of that. I use that tool to kind of see what the right wording is. So start with the topic from your customer. Really use those tools, keyword planners, to get the right keyword to target. And then when we're setting up the post, a tool that I really like, our site is through WordPress. So we use a tool called Scribe, which is a free plugin that allows you to really make sure that you're optimizing the post. So are you using that keyword in the title? Are you using it in the meta description, in the image text? So it has a really nice checklist, and then it gives you kind of a score, which just makes it really easy to double check, make sure that you're using that keyword everywhere you can. That's a really great strategy. And one of the things that I hear most often when I speak about content marketing and online marketing is people often get stuck with what to write about. And you said mm -hmm. it's, it's the pain points that your customers have. So I know that I get questions, the same questions over and over again all the time. So that would mm -hmm. be a really good topic to write about because if it's people who are coming up to me asking it, there's probably people seeking out online trying to find the answers to that. So if I write a blog post answering those questions, now I'm serving my audience better, but then also people that are typing into Google subject lines they could come to my website and get that information so people it's like you said earlier it seems like really simple but it is think about all those questions that you're tired of getting and the answers that you have to repeat over and over again write a blog post about it and then optimize it definitely and one other thing I forgot this tool but it's really good too um, is Google Trends so in addition to just thinking about topics that you hear a lot think about like where your customers and prospects are during certain times of year. So we know that definitely around the holidays, people are really, they're thinking about how to create holiday images. They're thinking about how to um, create a holiday promotion or a holiday offer or where to find a holiday email template. So when I search that, uh, maybe if I search in August, it looks like the search volume for that keyword is a little bit low. But by using a tool like Google Trends, you can search that topic and see the spikes in traffic during certain times of year. So when I recently looked at holiday promotion, I saw that starting about mid-November, the search traffic for that term really skyrocketed. 
So what is the next steps once you hit publish? So I recently learned something that I really wasn't too good at doing until recently, and that is to, because the obvious one is obviously when you publish something new, get the word out through all of your active channels. So obviously share it in all of your active social media channels, encourage other people to share the post if they like it. Like I mentioned, we do a really good job of um, sharing our new popular content in our Hints and Tips newsletter and getting some attention that way. But something that you also really want to do is to look back at your previous content. So for example, I published a post on how to create a holiday promotion. So we already have a ton of really great holiday content. So internal linking is really important. You want to go back into those older posts and see if you used the search or the keyword holiday promotion or whatever it may be previously. And then you want to go in and add that uh, link. So if you're putting in a hyperlink targeting a certain keyword to that new content, that's really helpful because one of the things that really gains interest for, um, or rather a higher search ranking for a post is if there's a lot of links going to that blog post. So that's a really great way to do it. And then for more advanced people, if you have the time for guest blogging, then that's another amazing way because in addition to kind of internal links and social shares and that kind of thing, if you're able to get, they're called backlinks, if you're able to get backlinks out from other sources back to your content, then that shows that not only you're promoting your content, but other like reputable sources are also linking back to your content. So that shows Google that you have credibility and authority and it'll also help move that content up the ranking. So with guest blogging, how do you go about that? Because I would assume that if somebody's having you on their blog to provide content, they want to keep people on the blog. But if you're linking them to your other site, it could be tricky, right? It definitely is. So before, when you're initially kind of scoping out guest posting opportunities, um, it's important to look at some of the previous guest posts. First of all, does the blog or website itself feature guest posts? And then take a look at um, if they have, maybe you can request editorial guidelines, things like that. I know Social Media Examiner is one that's really particular about how many links you can have back to your post. I would say most often people do allow a couple of links, but you definitely have to be really selective and make sure that the post you're providing has value on its own and isn't just kind of a teaser to read your whole blog post somewhere else. So it usually has to be pretty standalone. And I love what you said about backlinking to older content that you've created too, because quite often we spend all this time writing content and we hit publish and it goes out to those active channels and then it kind of falls off. So by writing on similar topics, whether it's holiday marketing or subject lines, you can be bringing new life into that older content and getting more traffic to it as well. And it's just not sitting in the archives being forgotten about. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's definitely something that took us some time to learn. There's definitely 
I think in the online marketing sphere in general, it's very new, shiny, like, oh, trends or new posts. Or, so it's really good to remember, you know, what came before and if there are opportunities. So basically, you would just run a quick search on your website and see when you wrote about this previously. And it can even be years back. It really, it doesn't matter when the content uh, was published, but you can kind of just throw in a, a link. Do you have any other tips that you can share to help content creators get the most out of the content they have created? I would say that definitely one thing that took us a while to get over was the idea of republishing. So when I first heard about republishing, I read it on a copy blogger article how you can take content that you wrote a couple years ago and you can put a kind of fresh, you can optimize it a little bit more, maybe create a, like an infographic or some kind of new spin on it and then republish it with a fresh date. So when I first heard about that concept, I honestly thought it was a little bit lazy. It sounded to me like, oh, like you just totally run out of ideas and you're going back into the well and trying to, you know, get something from something that already did well. Mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. what we found, so I have completely converted my mindset on this, and this is something that we're republishing content now twice a month. What I recommend doing is to look at content that has performed well in the past, um, and then looking to see if there's opportunities, like is that information still up to date? Because sometimes we found that we're ranking really well for a post on social media image sizes or something like that. And of course, LinkedIn has just changed the dimensions for its photo, <laughs> you know, its featured photo there. So it's definitely important if there is traffic that's getting, or if there's a post that's getting a lot of traffic, go back, read that, make sure that your viewers are getting a good experience because if they're coming to your site and they're getting outdated information, they're not going to be pleased. So pay attention to what's performing well, and then I would say we usually do just kind of spiff it up a bit, make sure that it's optimized for a keyword if it needs to be. Um, we often kind of take, we do a lot of list posts, so if there's a list post that can very easily be turned into kind of a long-form infographic, we'll do something like that. Um, usually, we used to use stock images for a lot of our blog content, but now we're going in and Photoshop and kind of creating our own branded images. So give that like a, a makeover, a fresh feel, and then we really do just republish it with a fresh date on it. And we put a quick editor's note right at the bottom saying this was originally published in 2013 that kind of thing. But by putting the fresh date on it and still re-promoting it, um, I definitely would say that most of your audience is not going to remember a blog post that you wrote from about three years ago. So it's definitely fair game for fresh promotion. Um, so republishing that, uh, Google definitely loves to see a fresh date on things because they also know how quickly things go out of date, especially for certain mm -hmm. topics. So with that fresh date, it's still showing that it's still relevant, it's still credible. Um, so yeah, I would definitely recommend that. It's been a huge time saver to twice a month just be able to freshen something up rather than creating something brand new. 
Yeah, you know, there was a time, um, I would say it was maybe, it was definitely within the past year, maybe nine months ago or so, I'd hear a lot of bloggers say about writing evergreen content, so content that doesn't have any specific timeline on it, so it can sit on your site. And there was a discussion on my blogger group about even putting a date on your content. And mm. I thought that was really interesting because I, the first thing I look at when I go and find articles is to see how old it is or how new it is. <laughs> so yeah. taking the date off to kind of mask that doesn't sound like it would work for me, but you're saying that Google actually takes into account the fresher content. It does. So I'll tell you, we also experimented with not having dates on our blog posts, but it's just mm -hmm. kind of a user-friendly thing. Most people, myself included, I'm like you, I definitely want to have that reference point. So we're back mm -hmm. on having the the date on there. But yeah, just that's also kind of a benefit because I think even sometimes when you do create evergreen content, so we'll have content that's maybe 2012, but it's just, you know, fundamentals of content marketing and those really haven't changed in the last few years. But when mm -hmm. people see that timestamp on it, there's also in addition to just, you know, Google rankings, I think it's a perception thing. I think people see that and they think, oh, well, this is out of date, even when you create that evergreen content. So yeah. um, I think that's just more reason to kind of revisit, especially those popular posts that are a bit older. Yeah, and like you said, you can always republish them too, so that helps. Do you have a case study or personal experience you can share? or you've seen a blog post or piece of content work really well for search marketing and ranking? Yeah, so we actually have a recent, uh, recent thing that I want to share. And this is actually, it ties in the idea of republishing. So um, mm -hmm. I'll start by saying, so Susan Solovic, she, I don't know, you probably know of her. She's a small business expert and mm -hmm. um, she has a good following of about uh, 20,000 Twitter followers. So she was one of our very first kind of guest posters when we were finally, or when we were first looking to bring guest posters on. So mm -hmm. she's still, she's been contributing with us for a few years and she contributes twice a month for us. So one of the posts that she contributed, and this was back in 2013, she contributed a post called 10 Ways to Market Your Small Business on a Shoestring Budget. So that post really took off kind of immediately. I think it was having that shoestring budget angle really appealed to our audience. They were really interested. It was a list post. List posts typically do pretty well for us. So given that that post in particular really kind of picked up interest, we reached out to her to see if she would be interested in doing a short video series. So we did, a, and you can do this really often with list posts. It's a great way. Just take each of those 10 or 7 or 12, whatever the number is, break each of those ideas into a separate post on its own. Because sometimes people want a really big overview and then sometimes people want really specific, actionable advice. So we worked with her to create a series of 10 videos. Each was about a minute, really short, really easily digestible. And then with each of the 10 videos, those became 10 blog posts. So the first one was kind of like, get your elevator pitch down. So then the blog post became, how to craft your elevator pitch. And then um, every single one of the videos and blog posts, of course, then 
linked back to that kind of original parent post with the 10 ways. So that was targeting, we saw even a couple years after um, that the post was really still getting a lot of attention. And I think the reason that that ended up picking up popularity is because it started ranking fairly well for terms like market your small business, small business marketing, that kind of thing. So we then decided to republish that post because it was it had that 2013 timestamp on it, but it was still consistently in our top 10 posts of the day on a daily basis. So we went through and we optimized a little bit and we put that fresh date on it. And then what actually ended up happening, this was really cool. I, um, I did a little research into it even about a week later to see how it was ranking and if it was picking up any steam for those kind of key search terms. And I actually saw that it became a featured snippet on Google. So um, those are kind of, I don't know if you've seen, it happens a lot with kind of like how-to posts and list posts and that kind of thing. But yeah. it's kind of when Google features a blog post and it's a little bit more of a prominent listing than just kind of an average search result. Um, so that was really cool to see because I actually read um, a few stats on that and the click-through rate for the featured snippet, which kind of gives you a little bit more of the, the meat of the content, the click-through rate is a lot higher on that because people have a little bit more information to engage with. So we have saw that that post is now ranking really high for those search terms. And I went through and looked at for October for some numbers for you, but that post that was published in 2013 originally just in the month of October received 8,000 views. And it was also our top converting post of the month. So not only were people who were brand new to our business reading that content, you know, they're searching for small business marketing, which is completely relevant to our audience. They were then reading some of those tips and feeling so kind of inspired by the ideas that they were signing up for a trial of Constant Contact. So that was a post that Again, like you really have to revisit what's been working well for you and see how you can optimize it to really make sure that you're not just educating people, but really kind of inspiring them to take action as well. So what do you think was the key factor or factors that that did so well? I think what's really important and another thing that you might overlook when you're first getting started with blogging. I know, I know we did. Um, you have to really pay attention to what content is performing well and picking up steam even a long time after you publish. I would say we've had lots of surprises about what content performs well because as primarily an email marketing company, we uh, we're writing pretty exclusively about email marketing for a while um, and then started really building out um, social media content and that kind of thing. So think about not just your direct business focus, but also those kind of supporting ideas. How can you, so for example, we were surprised, we did a quick cheat sheet about um, image sizes for social media, I think I mentioned before. And that immediately was one of our top blog posts, which none of us really expected because we expect, like I said, the things like subject lines to do really well, 
but mm -hmm. experiment with different kinds of supporting content and then really dig into your numbers and see, you know, that can be everything from social numbers to just seeing what people are engaging with. What are people commenting a lot on? And are those comments bringing up new ideas? Anytime you're really solving that need, then that those are the type of posts that are going to really get people to engage with and dig into. So are there any other additional tools? I know that you mentioned a couple earlier, um, but any additional tools or third-party apps that you've used to assist with your content marketing? Yeah, there are a lot of them. Um, so I think I learned this in one workshop that maybe you and Robin put on, but I learned about um, co-schedule the code yeah. schedule headline tool, I love that. I use that every single time. So for blog posts, I think we all know how important the headline is and making sure that that headline is the right length and that it won't get cut off in Google. And this um, headline tool really analyzes absolutely every aspect of that as far as is your language like punchy enough and is the, the length of your headline the right length for um, search engines? So I definitely recommend that one. I use that for every single blog post that I create. And then I think I mentioned earlier the Scribe plugin. And I'm sure there are other ones. Um, just having some kind of SEO plugin that has that kind of checklist. So every time you publish a blog post and you're targeting a keyword, is it used on the page everywhere it can, from the headline to the meta description to the body content to any tags that you have, image description. So a plugin like that, um, Scribe is the one we use, something like that is definitely really useful. The last two, definitely Google Keyword and Google Trends are something that I use all the time. Great. And for anybody listening to this podcast, if you go to the website, to my website, and click on the show notes, I will have all the links to all of these resources available as well. What are three pieces of advice or actionable to do you would share with those listening to this podcast about search marketing? Sure. So I would say the very first one is to not ignore search marketing. So I think there's a perception where as a small business, it's really hard for you to rank for popular search terms, but I definitely see that small businesses can do it if you look for a word that's really specific, like if you're using a keyword phrase that is exactly what you offer and you're really putting a lot of optimization behind it. So think about what those keywords are going to be and how you can show up there and definitely have the confidence that your business, no matter how small, really can rank for those. Um, the second thing that I would say, we talked about this briefly, is if possible, go beyond your own website. So I think that's one of the most dangerous things that marketers can do is kind of get in our own little bubble. But it's so important to kind of find those supporting businesses and look for those opportunities where you can get out to other sites and get those backlinks back to your own content. And then lastly, um, I would just say to be patient and to look at what's working for you. So there might not be, it might take a while for certain posts to kind of take off. So even though there was some initial interest in that uh, Susan Solvik post that I mentioned, 
it really didn't pick up steam until about three years later. So it's definitely about paying attention to what works and really being patient if you're not seeing um, you know, a post jump up to the first page within the first couple of weeks. Sometimes it really will take months and even years of kind of getting that perfect uh, equation to make it all work. Yeah, it's funny. I had mentioned that I have a blogging group that I'm a part of, and a lot of them will say, I don't know why this is happening, but all of a sudden this older post that I wrote three years mm -hmm. ago is getting a ton of traffic or somebody starts pinning it on Pinterest and it, and it takes off or um, it starts doing really well on social media because one person finds it and shares it and then it takes off. Yeah. So like you said, having that patience factor is, um, is important or at least being in tune with your content by going into your, your reporting, your statistics and just knowing, seeing and knowing what's going on and if things start to do better, how can you revitalize, repurpose, or link back and try and just give different, uh, give more traffic to those? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it goes back to what we were talking about in the beginning of just really being strategic and making sure that you understand your audience, you understand what's doing well, even if it's a surprise, even if it's not what you expect, and really kind of following along and seeing where those things can take you. Great advice. Well, we are getting close to the end of this interview, so how and where can people connect with you online? Yeah, so I would definitely recommend checking out the Constant Contact blog. Um, so that's at blogs.constantcontact.com. It's really regularly updated and has a great library of everything from uh, just general small business marketing tips to email marketing, social media, SEO, pretty much um, anything online marketing related. Um, and then in addition to that, um, I'm a big fan of Twitter, so you can find me at Miranda Paquette. Wonderful. Miranda, thank you so much for coming on this podcast and sharing all the knowledge and tips and lessons that you've learned with search marketing and blogging. I learned a ton. So I'm sure many people on this podcast listening have too and can um, better enhance and optimize their online marketing. Thanks so much for okay. having me, Janine. Definitely um, <laughs> happy to answer any questions that come after this, too. So if there are any search marketing topics, there are so many that we didn't cover. So happy to uh, jump in and answer comments or questions that come after the fact, too. Awesome. Great. Well, like you said, people can connect with you on Twitter. And if anything comes my way, I'll be sure to forward them along. Sounds great. Thanks, Miranda. Thanks so much, Janine. This podcast is brought to you by the J.O. Social Branding Socialized Newsletter, a bi-weekly newsletter delivered twice a month that shares the latest social media news, marketing tips, and upcoming events that I have going on in the area or online. You can sign up by texting J.O. Social to 22828 or visiting my website at josocialbranding.com. Hey everybody, this is Janine and this is J.O.'s take on the podcast interview with Miranda. 
Wow. Search marketing is a huge topic that many people don't even know about or understand. But Miranda did a really great job of talking about how you can use your blog and the content that you're putting on your website to bring traffic from Google. And she shared that 72% of the traffic that comes to their website at Constant Contact is from search. So by knowing what keywords are valuable and rank the highest and how you can incorporate them into your blog is going to help bring in new traffic to your site, is going to help your statistics, it's going to help you build better relationships relationships with your audience. Miranda shared so many great tips and advice about knowing the goal of what you're doing, the next step, the call to action, having a strategy in place, editorial calendars that can help you plan your marketing, writing a marketing series, and how she shared that case study that did so well, where a blog post from 2013 started getting new traffic, how they built it out and repurposed it in different ways, and were able to really leverage the traffic and attention that post was getting. Miranda also shared really great resources that I will be including in the show notes that include keyword tools and SEO optimization for your blog and ways to create interesting and engaging titles. There is not a loss of information in this podcast, whether you take one thing or you take a bunch Miranda shared so much valuable advice about how to bring traffic from Google, but then also to really repurpose your content and make it valuable for yourself and your audience. I loved that she talked about backlinks and guest blogging and the best ways to do those and republishing content and breathing new life into the content that you've already created, updating it and optimizing it based on the new keywords and trending topics that are happening in your industry. So I want to thank Miranda once again for coming on this podcast and sharing all her knowledge and the tips and advice that she has picked up along the way. And hopefully you will have a better content marketing game going into the new year. Have a wonderful day. And thanks again for listening to the Social Highs podcast. Podcast.